one of the saddest moments in my life this week. It was real, it was real manly right there. Yeah. Are we talking about you trying to kill the spider? No, actually. I wasn't going to bring that up, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there was a spider hanging from the ceiling, and he's like, I got this. And I had like a couple pieces of paper, and it was like smashed it together. He's like, did I get it? And it was hanging off the bottom. So then he tries to maneuver and loses sight of it and goes, eh! <laughs> and throws the paper on the I ground. I did that slightly for show. Like, the noise was for show. Okay. I I buy that. It was still 90% real. <laughs> I don't know about that. 60. But it doesn't matter. Even if it's just like a little white It was a tiny house. little spider. It's a tiny little house spider. But it doesn't mean you want it crawling on you. If you had a choice between a spider crawling on you or not crawling on you, which are you going to choose? I mean, I'm not, certainly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I'm also not going to be scared. I wasn't like scared. Uh, I saw. I looked deep in your eyes <laughs> and saw the fear. No, the, the moment for me was when, so like Facebook's algorithm has this thing, like it tells you what your friends do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine posted to the local Pokemon Hunters group and was like, hey, bitches, we got this badass Pokemon. We got to come get over here. And it's just me. I need some helps. <laughs> you didn't know that I saw that, did you? No. No, because you wouldn't know what. No. <laughs> but like randomly it showed up in my it's face. It's like a Sunday morning. I'm in bed <laughs> and the church across the street has a Rayquaza raid. <laughs> and I posted on Fort Wayne raids, Fort Wayne Pokemon Go raids. <laughs> Hey, let's do this Rayquaza raid. And nobody showed up. <laughs> that's the saddest thing. It's a group that's made for people that they join the group so they can go find these Pokemon. But they're all like downtown or by IPFW. So those are places in Fort Wayne. <laughs> let's make this a. We're, we're not niche enough. We got to keep making yeah. it. We got to make it to a specific city, too. Mm hmm. Uh, so how was your week, other than not getting your Rialzabon? <laughs> Rayquaza. Uh, good. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything eventful happened. Valentine's Day. How was your Valentine's Day? It was good. Uh, got the card. I went with, uh, Mushy, and then Corny, mm -hmm. and then Nerdy right at the end. Uh, mm -hmm. she really likes Are you talking about your sex, or? Yep, okay. that's it. Because I feel like sex with you would be Mushy. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so she really likes Lord of the Rings. I learned how to write her name in Elvish. And I was like, P.S. Uh, I learned how to write your name in Elvish. It's almost as beautiful as you. Nice. Yeah. Good job. What'd you get? Uh, a really sweet card. That's it? Yeah. Lame. I got a... We don't, we don't do a Valentine's that big. I got... Uh, a Fright Rags little monster t-shirt. Nice. Pretty stoked about that. So, and I already told you I got her the, the book thing. Mm -hmm. I got tears. Nice. Felt pretty good. There's some of them that are inappropriate, but she was like reading it to the boys. So like I referenced the Clapper story mm -hmm. is one of the memories that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> so like something like that would come up and she uh, would have to come up with a reason to explain to them what that meant or why it was in there. <laughs> She would explain to them what they what it meant? Well, I just put uh, something along the lines of, remember when the clapper was super sensitive, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's a read between the lines. 
a wee bit. Did you just give me three fingers? Mm-hmm. Oh. Read between the lines? Mm. You went to elementary school. Yeah. It's like the Girl Scout <laughs> I love thing, you. I you think. said that like it was a medical medical school. <laughs> you you have, in your history, you have, your education involves elementary school. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's good. Um, so this week was a little difficult for me in that it's really hard to come up with like things to talk about for legitimately good movies. Yeah, sure. So thanks for that. Anytime. Like I have no notes ready to go. I'm, I'm just going to slobber all over Zodiac. Mm -hmm. I feel like with Zodiac, so Zodiac is a synopsis. Zodiac is the story of the real life Zodiac killer. Uh, that terrorized the country for over a decade in the late 60s to the 70s. Um, and he was never caught. And it tells you, it walks you through uh, the investigation from the journalistic and the uh, criminal homicide division, uh, what they found. Mm-hmm. It's also a perfect movie. It's one of the few perfect movies. Okay. I. Okay. So come at me, bro. So, I guess just for the sake of argument, I don't know if I wholeheartedly. I feel like I can go either way on this, but for just the sake of this episode, mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to say this movie shouldn't even exist. Okay. Because it you, doesn't. You think that the Zodiac from 2005 was a better Zodiac film? I think that uh, the Zodiac Killer from 1974 is a better movie. I'll talk about that later. Okay. I don't know if 74 is the right, but it's right in the mid 70s. I'll talk about that more because that should have been in this movie. Um, so but disclaimer: they, Dirty Harry is in this movie, which is based off of the Zodiac Killer, yeah. and they literally threw that showing for the San Francisco Police Department. Mm-hmm. So I don't really mean this, but I guess for the sake of argument, I'm going to head down this path. Sure. The whole we, we've talked about telling a bad story before, right? Like when you're telling a story of something that happened, and you give all these unnecessary details. Okay. I think that that might be this movie. It's two hours and 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. They of... left out a lot of kills. They left out any anything that was confirmed or probably Zodiac where there were no surviving witnesses. So like the Christmas murders they left off and some of the murders in between where there were, where no one survived mm-hmm. or no one saw anything. It just, it, it almost plays out like a, like a uh, a real time, real time's not the right the right thing. But but it's like you're you're seeing the real life zigzagging that happens when you're doing investigations. Mm-hmm. And I keep feeling like I need to make the disclaimer. I'm not. I don't think I really feel this way. But there's no. part of me that feels like this isn't a fucking movie. Like because you're zigzagging. Yes, it's true. Everything that I'm watching is shot beautifully. It, the acting is good. But why am I watching this story? Because it's not a story. Like this movie could have been called, I don't know. I see. Yeah. I know you're playing a little bit devil's advocate. No, I, I definitely am. That I could not disagree more vehemently. But again, probably biased because I think this is a perfect movie. Uh, I just, I love... I totally see how the puzzle, the drive to solve it, to be, maybe not even necessarily to be the person, but to have this thing in your brain 
that is unsolved and that you know if you just work at it enough, if you concentrate enough, if you put enough brain power to it, if you do enough research that you can solve this and how that can totally consume your life. I think that that's what this movie is about. It is a, it's called Zodiac and it goes through the, the Zodiac killer, but this movie is about Robert Graysmith and it is about how he ruins his life trying to find the Zodiac. So I think that I agree with the concept of that more than I do the actual execution in that like I almost would have preferred that movie like if this movie was directly about him as opposed to being the Zodiac because like there's another two and a half hour movie almost that's the stinger of this movie that's the in the credits they give you this text Mm -hmm. telling you how everything ended up you know and one of the quotes that I read from from him said like after he finished the script for this movie he understood why his wife left him like yeah, when um, he read the script, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I feel like if that was the case, they could have committed to it and just made it about that. But I feel like they were trying to have their cake and eat it too. I, I think, yeah, I think the movie's about the puzzle. And you watch the puzzle. You just said it was about Robert Gray Smith. It's, it's about Robert Gray Smith. It's about the puzzle. The puzzle is what drives him mm-hmm. into his descent. So you need to follow him along with the puzzle mm-hmm. and watch him destroy his life. Watch him bring in his kid, like, you know, sitting there, you know, at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Let's we'll just, I'm going to, we're going to take this more free form probably instead of going directly. Can I start at the beginning though? Yeah. Drawing while driving is the old school texting. <laughs> it's like opens with Jake Gyllenhaal like drawing at a stoplight and getting honked at, and I'm like, he's basically texting. <laughs> texting existed so long ago. Yeah, that's all. Uh, but he goes from at the beginning, like before he, he meets his his wife, he just has him and his son, like protecting him from whenever Zodiac is on TV. He's like super interested. But then his son comes in the room and, you know, he closes, he turns it off or whatever to, by the end, drawing them in like they are playing detective with him and, you know, the the news talking about the horrible things for the Zodiac and all the kids just want to do is, is go in and, and watch it with dad and like the journey in between that. I don't disagree. I think I just don't have the love for it that you do. So that's yeah. why I was trying to go the other the other route with it. Um, the performances are fantastic throughout. Mm-hmm. I can't say anything negative about anybody except for maybe uh, Robert Downey Jr. That it just feels like he's being Robert Downey Jr. Uh, okay, I mean, I think this was his this was his first big Iron Man was officially his comeback in two thousand eight, but I feel like this was the first kind of taste of 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 rdj post the meltdown you're not allowed to do that again rdj RDJ. no sorry no not gonna happen it's just (laughs) easier to say it's not gonna happen nph just call it downy no because the downy bear scares the shit out of me does it really yeah it has since i was a kid creeps me out Hmm. i can see that it's like a teddy ruxpin yeah i was about to say teddy ruxpin always like 
it it freaked me out when I first saw it, and then like I got a Big Bird version of what basically Teddy Ruxpin was, mm-hmm. and like I, I I was okay with it. But the Downy Bear, it walked around in the forest. No, not okay. I feel like I watched some old school com- or no, it wasn't that. It was the uh, the the hoo hoo guy, the Pillsbury Doughboy, <laughs> and uh, he looked the like yeah. they looked like shit. Like, yeah. I think in our minds, we remember commercials, like, as we saw them. Mm-hmm. But if you watch them now, it looks like garbage. That's all TV and stuff from the 80s. Yeah. Early 90s. It's incredible. It's all garbage. I know, but it's it's shocking. It was that's not how shittier TVs, so. Because that's not how you remember it. Yeah. But. In your brain, it's clear as day. Exactly. Yeah. I still remember, like, uh, thinking that, like, things were black and white back in the day. Like they didn't have color, yeah. Because you looked at black and white pictures, yeah, so that's leave what it to it, Beaver was wasn't in colors. So. Yeah, so everybody was that shade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. So I'm not the only one that's an idiot. Yeah. Okay. It's all of us. So this movie is gorgeous, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That op- I I love the opening shot, uh, driving down Vallejo, uh, with the fireworks going off and everything, mm-hmm. and you think it's a very voyeuristic shot. Mm-hmm. And you think we're watching the killer about to approach his victims. Nope. It's This movie is a good example in that there's no reason for a movie to look like shit because this movie didn't need to look good. That's not what this movie is about. This isn't this isn't a, a French nihilist film. This isn't a, a big spectacle movie. There's no big set pieces. Right. It's mostly people sitting and talking. Yeah. And it didn't need to look good. Yeah. D- so I mean, that's that's why this movie was rejected by, uh, I think it was Sony. Sony was like, it can't go more than, I think, two hours and 15 minutes. And then Warner and Touchstone got together and but here's, like, we'll, we'll, I, we'll do a two and a half hour talkie. But I wouldn't disagree with that. Like, if I was in charge yeah. of, of giving the money to this, I probably wouldn't have greenlit it that long at presumably that yeah. price because there's people all over the place especially because it ends with uh nobody was arrested mm, don't know it's probably arthur lee allen it could still be rick uh miller it could be to so many other people yep and uh and that's what i mean like where if i would go the really angry route mm-hmm. it's like it's not a movie this is an episode of forensic files you know <laughs> it just it's just the best forensic files ever made is yeah. what it is yeah um but uh, John Carroll Lynch, Lutz. John Carroll Lynch. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, Mark Ruffalo, like, is a real actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, been my favorite forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is pretty solid, man. Yeah. Um, what else do you have to slobber? Uh, everything. How about I've... the digital blood? You want to blow the digital blood that's all over this thing? Uh, yeah, I didn't mind it. Do uh. David Fincher said he did it because he didn't want to take the time on set because it already shot for 110 days. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. That's like series of TV lasts way less than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shot 24 hours of TV here and it, it was like 74 days. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, but the digital blood did look pretty digitally. See, yeah, I, got- I never thought... The cab bad. driver one was the one that really bothered me. Hmm. Really bothered me. I can get that. Um, they they reference like the satanic panic mm-hmm. at one point because they were tied into that. Um, are you familiar with the actual satanic panic at all? 
is that like Summer of Sam type stuff? No. So so I remember this. this we one, like Dungeons we, and Dragons. We talk a lot about Sally Jesse Raphael on this podcast. Sure. And it's going to come up again. But like in the early 90s, 93, 94, there was uh, this big thing where the satanic panic. So everybody was concerned about teenagers sacrificing cats and maybe stealing babies and things like that. And there was legit fear that this was a thing. And they referenced that here uh, as far as like worshiping the devil or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember seeing episodes of like Sally Jesse and Donahue, and this might not have been the height of it. Uh, I don't know the time frame, but this is when I remember it. Mm -hmm. But listen, researching it more, there's this like incredible stories of at the height of it where people were, were so just blindly agreeing with these things. The most famous case is there was this little girl who, uh, and this is where like the idea of planted memories comes from Mm -hmm. and suppressed memories. Like they're all, tied to this satanic panic thing okay and this little girl ended up uh, through the aid of psychologists quote-unquote and doctors who looked and saw that she had been uh raped they found this mom and this her adult son guilty and they were satan worshipers according to this little girl's testimony which included that they would take her up in hot air balloons and worship the devil in the hot air balloon. They lived in like Texas or New Mexico or something. Mm-hmm. And they had tunnels underground that led to Mexico. So when the parents would drop her off, they would go underground to go to Mexico, which was like hundreds of miles away still. Yeah. And where she would get gang raped by three or four hundred men before they made it back home. The same day. The same day mm-hmm. before her parents picked her up. There was a parakeet that talked like the devil and like hit her vagina with its beak and the judge and everybody was like, sounds good. Guilty satanic wow. panic. Um, and they ended up like the, the doctor that said that like did the physical assessment of her has said, like went backwards and said like, look, I was wrong. I wasn't lying, but I just didn't know what I was looking for because we'd never looked for these things before, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. we've never looked for what happens when a little girl is assaulted. So he kind of was trying to figure it out as he went, you know, and everybody was kind of just tied up in this stuff. There's, like, another example that was heartbreaking. It was this pastor. And this pastor committed guilty, committed guilty, pled guilty uh, to uh, waking up and raping his daughter in the name of satan every night like sleep raping uh basically all right but he didn't remember any of it he had no memory but he pled guilty because he said his daughter wouldn't be saying that if it wasn't true and it was Hmm. came down to the idea like these psychologists didn't know they were doing it they weren't nefarious when they were doing it Mm -hmm. but they were planting these memories in these children so they would regurgitate it to them yeah and like that's heartbreaking that this pastor, like presumably a good guy, yeah. was just like, My daughter would never lie. I must be doing this. I must be possessed. But I'm guilty. Not only that, but the daughter who thinks she went through this. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just is a crazy, crazy uh, a topic that I segued into and wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's a podcast. You don't have to apologize. Mm. For so, talking about Sorry stuff. I talked about something. <laughs> My bad. I won't do that anymore. 
Um, I wrote, I like puzzles because I do. I get mad at puzzles. I need to do like eighth grade puzzles that I can have a tiny twinge of like, what is going on? And then pretty quickly just be able to pat myself on the back. Yeah, with I got it. this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Found it. Word the search. guy in the yellow sweater drinks tea. <laughs> that's why. That's why I love word searches. Oh, yeah. Saxophone Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we in high school we had this crazy lazy English teacher. This was tenth grade English class. Okay. And like once a week, every Monday, I think he would just give us a word search. This is tenth grade English. What? And he would give us a word search. And Ryan Templeton. Is it was in my class and he is like the rain man of word searches, dude. It was awesome because it didn't make any sense either because we had 50 minutes to complete this word search, but we all were like, we got to cheat as quick as possible so we can hurry up and get this word search done and then not do anything for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Like in hindsight, it doesn't make any sense. Why not just challenge yourself to do it? Exactly. But no. So we're all just like, you take the bottom half. I'll take the top half. All right. Then we're going to split that half. So we each actually only have to find three words and then we'll all co- cohesively. But anyway, Ryan Templeton, the best word nice. searches. I want to know who you're talking. Who? I want to know who you're talking about. I don't remember his name. Hmm. Schneider. Wasn't? He? Yeah, he was a guy. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> let's su- talk about our high school teachers. So, again. so super cool when you're there, but in hindsight, probably not a good high school teacher if he's giving you a word search in tenth grade, oh, and yeah. that's your entire class. I was in uh, AP English in tenth grade, and just not like they actually did stuff, but I didn't pay attention or care. Uh, I think this is this is probably the worst part of me, but my most one of my most proud moments from all of high school. Uh, was we had to read A Tale of Two Cities. And I read the first, like, five pages. And then I turned, I basically looked for what was the shortest chapter in the entire book that was, like, in the middle. And I found a chapter that was, like, six pages. So I read, like, the first chapter and, like, the middle chapter. And then I wrote this long essay about how the character is, like, He's in the mud in the beginning of the book, and that shows that it by he drags his character through the mud and all this stuff. I got a ninety nine on it. I don't nice. know. I don't remember why I missed that point. I probably it's probably still haunts me. <laughs> it does. If I knew why, I'd be I'd be even more haunted. Um, I don't know what else they could have done with this movie other than put like a a revolving. Uh, you know, like the ticker when you watch, like <laughs> when you watch real time footage. Yeah, I almost feel like I wanted a ticker the whole time with a calendar date the whole time because so many times they're like two and a half weeks later, two and a half weeks later, two and a half weeks later. Yeah, and I'm like, you said two and a half weeks later twenty two times now. I have no idea, and and they don't age really, but I guess the average adult doesn't necessarily age that much right. in ten it's the years. Whole thing to, yeah, but I still I felt like I had a hard time gauging time frames mm-hmm. um like they might give dates but i'm not trying to memorize them like it just yeah. it basically i see a date and i'm like era you know i know the the general culture of that yeah. time and sometimes it just, it's like four years later because nothing happened to that time this movie's already two hours and 37 minutes so you don't need it no there there were moments that i thought it was real time and it actually was going to be a decade-long movie 
Uh, what do you think of the taxi shot? Because uh, it's the only one. It's it's very unique, and I feel like. Well, I'll I'll wait for your opinion first. You're talking about when he gets shot. No, when you follow the taxi and it like, the camera is above mm-hmm. and it sticks and to it's, it stays in the same position relative mm-hmm. to the taxi the whole and time. And the taxi shakes. What? The taxi kind of shakes as he's moving around. No, I'm. It's drive. I mean, as it's driving along, it drives down the street. It turns. You like it's. Like the camera's fixed point and like the world turns. Oh, okay. Instead of the yeah. taxi. You know what I'm talking about now? I do. Um, I think that was another example of this could have just been a fucking, you're, you're on the, uh, the trailer pulling behind it and you're watching him drive or mm-hmm. he can do something cool with it. And he yeah. obviously opted to do something cool with it. I, I feel like I hated it the first time or two that I watched this movie because it is so jarring. Mm-hmm. And now I realize it's supposed to be jarring because the Zodiac is breaking his pattern here. So the movie is breaking its pattern. And I like now I think, oh, this is this is really cool that I'm always jealous of when like directors, writers come up with cool stuff like that. Because like I would never think of that. No, I, I, I have a hard enough time just trying to tell a story. No, I hadn't watched this probably since it came out. And the only thing I really remembered is kind of feeling like there was a lot and it was just very detailed and sidewindy mm-hmm. which is still to a degree what I feel like you can I know it's good and I enjoy watching it um but this is not a movie for me that I can continue rewatching like I'm fine revisiting once a decade and going that was really well done <laughs> see I watch this movie two or three times a year at least oh there's no way I could do that yeah um the what did I have? I just started to talk, but I didn't have something. Uh, the time frame. I love uh, the whole retard thing with Jake Gyllenhaal. The what thing? The the one guy's like, oh, is that why they call you retard? Oh, yeah. He's like, they don't call me retard. <laughs> and then he asked Robert Downey Jr., does anybody ever call me anything? He's like, oh, you mean like retard? Yeah. I love that. It's funny. Okay. Want to talk about the Zodiac Killer? The movie? Sure. That you don't know about? Oh, okay. So, there's a movie right in the middle. So, you had a whole bunch of of amateur people that were trying to figure this out as well, right? Like, they touch on the, the couple that broke a couple of the ciphers. Um, but this was a big deal at the time. This is, this is on all the headlines. People are trying to do their own research. They're trying to do their own investigations. Mm-hmm. And one of these guys comes up with the idea... He, I think he owned like a hardware store or something. So he's just some asshole. Yeah. And he's like, I got it. Here's what I'm going to do. The Zodiac wants attention. He references at one point, like, I wonder who's going to play me in a movie. Right. So he yeah. wants attention. He does that in like 75. Because that's his the first letter he gets back in. Yeah. So he so so he's he he's very media hungry. Yeah, definitely. So this asshole that doesn't know anything is like, I've got the idea. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a Zodiac killer movie. Knowing that the fucking Zodiac is going to come see my movie. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it like a whodunit type thing. And I'm going to give out cards and everybody that comes 
has to write out who they think the Zodiac Killer is. So then I'm going to look at this handwriting and I'm going to figure out who it was because I know he's going to be there. That's kind of cool. Uh, that investig- That's still an active part of the investigation. And that director, that's the only thing that I think he's ever done because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to make movies. Yeah. He still can't talk about what they've found. That's cool. Um, I don't think the movie's great, especially because <laughs> the guy didn't make movies. Mm-hmm. But he made the movie solely to try to aid in catching him. And it's that's a solid awesome. idea. Yeah. I mean... That's totally I'd, cool. I'd buy that Zodiac was there. Yeah. yeah I'm... Sh- I'm sure he was, depending on the timing. If yeah, if, the, if it was, was when like he was in jail, in jail exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, the concept's cool. Like I just recently, because they're coming out with it on Blu-ray and stuff, and I just listened to a podcast with him, and he said, like, I still can't comment that much on. Like, here's my plan. Mm-hmm. I think that I know who it was. I have the card, or I think he's turned it in. But yeah. I have copies of the card that I think was him. Yeah. I think it worked, but I can't comment because they're still working on it. That's cool. Yes, uh, San Francisco PD reopened the Zodiac case after this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that would be the worst job ever. It's like cold case stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, how do you pick? How do you pick which one you're going to dive back into? Well, the I think the point is that they just kind of recycle. You know, no, I know. Cold I, case, you 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 relook through all the evidence. You're a detective who's never worked with the case, whatever. Yeah. And you just look at all the evidence to see if you can find anything. And if you don't feel like you have anything, you just move on to the next yeah. case. Uh, there was a, a college class a decade, 15 years ago that spent the time and they were researching. Uh, I think they basically did the same thing. They just went through these cases and they went through and they saved up X number of money and did found the ones for guys that were on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, I say guys, probably guys that were yeah. on death row and tested X number. And they got all of them exonerated based on DNA testing because there's like such a backlog of DNA testing that they can still do. Yeah. So these guys ended up getting set free, you know, multiple people, half a dozen people or whatever, just from one college class. That's awesome. It's also horrific and sad. If yeah. this 30 group the innocence of teenage- project is fantastic. And yeah. If you ever need to donate money, the Innocence Project is a pretty good one. Yeah. If you ever need to donate money. If you ever want to donate money. <laughs> if you ever feel the need to donate money. Or the need for speed. Don't buy speed. And donate that money instead <laughs> of the Innocence Project. It's, it's, I don't know what's happening right now. Um, overall, obviously a solid movie. Yeah. I, I still have more to talk about. Go ahead. Uh, that's why I keep waiting. I want to talk about my favorite, some of my favorite scenes. Give it to me. Uh... There are two that really stand out to me. One, I love, uh, like the guy, the, the guy in my brain who's trying to figure out the puzzle, like that part of my brain. One of my favorite scenes is, uh, Mark Ruffalo and the guy from ER showing up at the crime scene, and just, just talking through their thoughts, like, okay, let's let's figure this out. You know, this is our job. Let's figure this out, and like grabbing the the other officer there and you know reenacting kind of what they thought happened and it's just like five ten minutes of them like thinking about the case and after just arriving on the scene did these two movies make you want to be a detective i if 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 i didn't 
wouldn't have to look at dead bodies all the time. Like, I would love to be. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was watching this, and I was like, I would totally love to figure out the psychology of these motherfuckers. Exactly. I couldn't look at people that were dead. No. I couldn't look at photos of people who were dead. No. Or killed. No. no. Uh, but to me, I think, if we're talking about thrillers, one of the most thrilling, like, butt-clenchiness scenes in cinema is the basement scene. I just saw in my... Uh, one of my Facebook groups, somebody found a gay porn called Harry Squatter and the Sorcerer's Pole. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> this was the one thing I wanted to talk about this movie. Like, everything I've been talking about is Harry bullshit. Squ- Harry Squatter? I've been wanting to talk about this scene, <laughs> and you've now ruined it. <laughs> Harry Squatter and the Sorcerer's Pole? Why wouldn't it be Sorcerer's Stones? I don't know what to tell you. Do you want to make that movie now? <laughs> did I? Did I ever? I did. Did I ever tell you my uh, nerdiest dick, dick joke? No, but you did tell me last week that you had a plan to write a code to break the cipher from the last. Yeah, there's one. There's one unbroken cipher. There's. I want to talk about things. I'm trying to actively talk about things. But you're sorry. talking about gay porn. <laughs> What did you think of the basement scene? Uh, which basement scene? When he uh, brings him the poster that Rick Miller supposedly did. And he says, "I no, I made those posters. Let's go in the basement. And there are like noises up upstairs and everything. Didn't find that thrilling or tense at all? Uh, I suppose, but... Right now, I just keep thinking of Seven when they hear the phone ringing. So I think that I'm mixing these two scenes together in my head. Uh, so Harry Squatter. You're so movie jaded. <laughs> sorry. Let me tell you why Freddy 4 is the best movie ever made. <laughs> I never said that. Uh, um, so when is there sounds what i still don't know what you're referencing they go they're looking at the posters they're talking about the case yeah do you remember them talking about the poster yeah i just said they're talking about the case you think i was just guessing i thought you said case case yes they're talking about the case but then he goes to the the number k he goes to the dude's house Mm -hmm. and he goes no i make the posters the rick guy yeah, we thought Rick made the posters, but yes. this guy's Vaughn. Yep. And he's like, no, I have, I wrote those. That's mm-hmm. my handwriting. Okay. And then immediately let me go in the basement. Let, let's go in the basement and see when we played that movie. Oh, yeah, and he rushes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the whole time he's down there and he's like hearing, he's seeing floorboards creak and shit upstairs. Uh, I think that's one of the tensest moments in film. I think the reason that it's good is because it's not what the entire movie is. I don't know if it's one of the tensest moments in film, but... I don't know. I enjoyed it. I know. <laughs> I enjoy this movie. I, I could tell. I watched a bit with Marianne. Uh, I made her, I've made. i made her watch it before, but I don't think she realized that the whole thing takes place where she grew up. Like I think she knew it was like San Francisco, but she's like, that all looks familiar. What is... is and she sees the title like, oh, that's Vallejo. I was wondering why it looked like Vallejo. Or uh, 
She told me how to pronounce it. I've forgotten. She told me how they pronounce it. And it's not Vallejo. It's different. But I've forgotten now. At least it made for a good story. Yep. We got that going for us. Yeah. I love this movie. <laughs> I do. I don't care. You do. You're all getting. It's not a. I, I have no issue with you loving this movie. It's yeah. a fine movie to love. I I really. Um, I agree. It's a it's a good film. I feel like it's a movie lovers film. Because it's a perfect movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Digital Blood. There you go. Automatically you lose it. Okay. Okay. Um, Practical effects or it didn't happen. I don't know. I, I don't think that's true. It just looked really bad. <laughs> um, I did like, I read the IMDb trivia or whatever. They made a point not to have anyone specific play him. Yeah, three different, play, three different because people played him. that way they he couldn't be able to say that Jake Gyllenhaal played him or something. The, you're talking the Zodiac Killer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain that the one where uh, they tie up the people by the lake, that sounded like John Carroll Lynch. Yeah, no, it definitely did. So I it think that did. that was him. Oh, it definitely but sounded the, like him. But the one, the, the actor they have to kill, um, Paul Stein, the tax driver, definitely did not look like him. No. And then the, you can't really see the guy in the beginning. Yeah, they had three separate actors playing. That's cool. The first, the guy that killed the kids at the beginning was the same killer from Tom the Dreaded Sundown. Just saying. The, like the actor that did it? No, that was a joke. Because oh. it felt the same. Okay. Probably because it was probably based off of that. Tom the Dreaded Sundown was a real story too. Oh. Remember? Right. We did that thing. I remember. Doesn't mean I remember. Obviously not. I remember thinking that you liked the remake a whole lot more than I did. Yeah, that's true. But I also liked it a whole lot less than I liked it. Previous to the podcast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the running theme of this? Like, by the end of this, I'm going to be like, <laughs> fuck horror. Horror sucks. <laughs> so I'm done with this. My life is ruined. <laughs> it's going to be the downfall of me. Ugh. Um, I've built an altar to shit. <laughs> uh, seven. What are your overall thoughts? My overall thoughts are that I'm slightly conflicted in that I think that it's a wonderfully made film that might be a little long. That's meandering that has great acting that is as good of a story of this that you can tell while being true to it but just like the real life thing ultimately leaves you a little unsatisfied but that is what it's trying to do you Mm -hmm. know so so conflicted i think is my final thoughts cool uh overall positive but not not giving you that perfect score um for those reasons of um because it is real and real life isn't nearly as as well to define and packaged as town that dreaded sundown which is real yeah. life yeah well david fincher got to make that movie because he made a movie in 1995 called seven he also did alien three it's not okay. very good 
stomped on my Segway. No, it was good. I read the IMDb trivia too, just so you know. <laughs> I don't remember if I read all of it. I read all of it for Zodiac. I don't remember if I read it all for Zo- Seven, because I had to watch Seven more intently. Yeah, because this is the first time I'd watched it since I think like ten, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So synopsis: What is Seven about? Synopsis is uh, soon to be retiring slash quitting. Uh, Morgan Freeman is being replaced by Brad Pitt, the new guy coming into the town. Uh, their first case and only cases they transition together that they stumble upon is a killer who is following the seven deadly sins uh, with an ultimate goal of masterminding the ultimate uh, finale to his murders. Sure. I think I might have just wrote like the actual thing on the back of the DVD right there. Uh, you probably didn't because you misused you mis uh, conjugated your verb there. You mm. think you just written? Mm. I may have just written. Ridded. Written. No, I I changed it to ridded. Oh, that's good. Yeah. My first note: opening titles sound very Nine Inch Nails. Second note: Oh, because they are. <laughs> Lol. Uh, years ago, I watched the commentary for this and remember nothing about the commentary mm-hmm. other than they were talking about the credits and somebody said like they were using some super technical term that I don't know but they were like well we can't overlay the the text for it like that because it'll bounce back and forth for this technical reason mm-hmm. and then Fincher was like wait a minute just do that so like whatever the way that it bounces like that is oh, because cool. of technically something that's flawed like they didn't fix something uh, and he was like, just leave it. It's not, it, it's a stylistic thing, but it's a stylistic right. thing because they didn't fix it. Yeah, that's cool. That's the only thing I remember from the commentary. You're welcome. My nice first th- first thing that I want to talk about is Brad Pitt wakes up, kisses Gwyneth Paltrow, and like tells her goodbye. Mm-hmm. And he's leaning over the top of her, face to face with her. And she's like, oh, you got some gunk in your eye. And moves the gunk out of his eye. Okay? Yeah. Fine, they're comfortable with each other, whatever. Here's the problem. She's directly under his face. So that eye shit is going to fall onto her face and like into her mouth. And she's going to have his eye shit (laughs) in her mouth. That's disgusting. You swap fluids with your wife all the time. Put some eye gunk. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I don't know what you're hearing. (laughs) I don't know what you're hearing. That is not true. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know what else to say at this why point. Why would you want eye gunk? Why would you risk eye gunk falling into your mouth? Why would you? Why would it matter? Why would you? It's it's called intimacy. Yeah, let me eat your excretions. Yeah, no, that's not a. Ah, uh, you're weird. I am I weird? Yes. Pull, pull. Let me know if I'm yes. weird for not eating eye shit. If your eyes could shit, that's that their shit. And the sorcerer's pole. Yeah. <laughs> I shit. I would not want to eat that. It's not about eating it. Like, it probably didn't go in her mouth. That's not a risk I'm willing to take. For a cute little intimate moment, I take that risk every day. That's that's fine, but do All it. All day, do every it, day. Do it 12 inches, 3 inches, so that it's 
falling over here and maybe gets in my hair, but I'm going to shower anyway. <laughs> Gross. It's the weekend. You're not going to shower. I, I can't not shower. I shower twice a day on the weekends. Are you that sweaty? No, I just feel like I don't think that I really am sweaty. Uh, but I just, I need to feel it. I need to feel clean. Hmm. It makes me feel good. All right. That answers the eye gunk thing. Hmm. Yeah, it totally does. Hmm. Okay. Um. Okay. So Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. he's on the way out. Yeah. Brad Pitt shows up. He's the new hotshot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get called to their first case, right? Yep. And they find, what do they find? First murder scene. Uh, they find a woman who has killed her husband and then herself. And that guy's corpse is played by the writer of the movie. Is this the first one? Yeah. Because their first case is not the gluttony case. No. I don't care about that one. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, because he he talks about, uh, did the kids see it? And the other detective's like, fuck it, we solved it. Who cares? Stop thinking with your brain. Yep. I I meant to do it. Did the writer of this, has he done anything else? Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked. Um, You you describe what they see. So once we get past this pointless scene that Justin insisted on talking about, uh, you said the first, they literally meet at that crime scene. Tell me about what I wanted to hear, not what I say. Um, You're a great parent, (laughs) I'm a great husband, too. Uh, so, uh, they, they end up going, they find, uh, a very obese man, his hands and legs are bound and his face is in spaghetti and they find a bucket of vomit under the sink. They find a receipt showing that whoever was force feeding this guy to death had left multiple occasions. They found two receipts. Yep. So they had left on multiple occasions. Yeah. At least one occasion. Yes. I don't, I'm, that's what I hate about my brain is like, I know the right answer. It doesn't matter that you're wrong, but I have to, I have to make you not wrong. Wait, you have to make me wrong. I have to correct you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What'd Which you find? like making you not wrong. Uh, he started out with an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he wrote a movie called Brain Scan. Yeah, I think that's got Edward Furlong in it. Uh, something called Hideaway, then Seven. Uh, he wrote Eight Millimeter. I love Eight Millimeter. Eight Millimeter is a movie that I think is great, and I don't know that I can ever watch it again. Eight Millimeter is maybe the only movie that legitimately scared and scares me. That's not a joke. Yeah. Because I feel like like this movie, I guess, could happen, but it's still a little too convenient for things to actually happen mm-hmm. a millimeter could totally happen for and it probably i'm sure it has it's like taken that movie is so like action over the top liam neeson but when you get down to its bare bones like a just like a hot girl being kidnapped and sold into slavery like sex slavery some really fucked up shit happening every day and it's just oh literally <laughs> that movie was written and starring Liam Neeson so that uh, they could, the studio could prove that he could be an action star because he was about to be in the A-Team remake. 
So that's the whole reason Taken exists. I didn't know that. And then it spawned two two sequels. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith on one of his 25 podcasts has this big segment that he does every time when it just says Liam Neeson's cock is so big. And then he lists how big his cock is. So apparently he's notorious for having a giant penis. Dustin hmm. Diamond apparently also has a big cock. Screech yeah. from Saber He did a porn. Yeah, that's what I hear. I never so want to see it. it. Uh, he also did Sleepy Hollow, Ugh. but not f- much lately. Wow. The Wolfman in 2010. Mm. Something called Nerdland. I feel like he climaxed there early. He has five upcoming projects, including one called Psycho Killer. Mm. Maybe it's the Psycho Cop remake? A police officer tracks a killer after her husband, a highway patrolman, becomes one of his victims. That's the thing Like I hear a lot about is... You'll have this like fantastic writer who has had zero things produced because he he or she keeps selling stuff and then it falls through at no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. So they just keep failing up. So there's people that have like are millionaires that have everybody in the industry knows, but we have no idea who the hell they are because yeah. nothing's actually been produced. Or at like no fault of their own. They are the guy who you know, a script is written and it's got a lot of flaws and they come in and completely rework it and then so you know then five other teams polish up that and then maybe they don't get credit for it yeah exactly craig mazin does it a lot yeah john favreau did that for a while john august does that a little less um but yeah i think carrie fisher was like the most famous of those i think mostly she was famous maybe she wasn't the biggest one but because we do who she was and you just didn't see it coming Hmm. I didn't know she did that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah she was a huge like script doctor. Hmm, cool. Yep. Uh, seven. That's a movie. So uh, they end up. Uh, there's a second kill. Is there a second kill before we find the uh, mm-hmm. the gluttony word? Yeah, the greed. The the lawyer. So the lawyer ends up being forced to cut a chunk of his flesh out, mm-hmm. and this is where I realized John Doe, the killer in this movie, is is jigsaw before jigsaw was jigsaw uh, completely sure, yeah even i mean jigsaw wasn't even jigsaw until saw two yeah but that's all he was i mean especially when you get to the pride one mm-hmm. that's a hundred percent jigsaw yeah so later on i'll just talk about pride uh john doe disfigures this woman's face glues sleeping pills in one hand glues a phone in the other and she has to choose between staying deformed or killing herself yeah she chooses to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Lucky for him, or else his whole thing would have, yeah, not worked but out. I think great. he chose her for a reason. That's kind of my one of my only gripes about this movie is like that is such a cool kill, but it's less cool that it comes in and Morgan Freeman is like, "Don't you see what happened here?" And then he explains what happened. Rather, I mean, I know we don't get to see any of the kills uh, until the last one. But it was still a little disappointing. You're saying it was a little heavy-handed or what? That we literally, like, it's such a cool concept, but the way that we find out about it is Morgan Freeman figures it out and then says it. Like, we see it, Morgan Freeman says what's going on, and then we, that's what happened, and then we're moving on. Like... I guess I could see that. There's no reveal there. We it don't get to see is. it happen. There's no, yeah. There's no rigmarole to them figuring out what happened. It's just here's the body. 
and Morgan Freeman is the only one smart enough to figure it out, but he figures it out right away. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. That's a fair critique, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is a really great movie. So we have so far we have, then we then we go backwards and we end up finding behind the fridge written in in Greece mm-hmm. is the word gluttony. Right, and at the greed one, greed was written in blood. Uh, so now Morgan Freeman is explaining to Arlie Ermey, there are stars everywhere in this movie, oh, yeah. by the way. John C. McGinley before he was... John C. McGinley could play anything. Yeah. He is so great. Why He's is fantastic. he not the lead in more things? Uh, I don't know. He Dr. Could... Cox was an amazing character but he could play the he could play any character mm-hmm. uh you know he's like a badass in this he was a badass like fucking gung-ho sticking his shotgun in uh, what he thought was a corpse's face saying you deserved it yeah like and then i've seen other movies where he's like this pussy mm-hmm. like nerdy dude yeah and he, he's great yeah. i have nothing but awesomeness to say about him like mark Byrne jr is in this um, i saw his name what, what uh, did he sons play? of anarchy yeah i know what did he play? He was remember. like the FBI informanty guy. Oh, that was him. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Because Rich- I saw his name in the credits and was like, I'm going to look out for him. And then I got so engrossed in the movie. Richard Roundtree of Maniac Cop 2 is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Boom. Do you recognize him? I'm talking about. Uh, he's like he's like the black spokesman for the police department at the very beginning. Yeah. Yep. Maniac Cop 2 plays like pretty Captain much the something. exact same character. Yeah. I like to think that he is that character. <laughs> It's the same universe, Maniac Cop 2 and 7. Yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman, another Maniac Cop similarity is Morgan Freeman in this movie definitely went to the same school as Tom Adkins did in Maniac Cop and that they're both like super detectives. <laughs> like they get it laid out in front of them and they're both like, boom, here's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Because Morgan Freeman media is like, this isn't going to end. You're going to have seven deaths. It's mm-hmm. going to climax in the desert and just lays everything out for us. <laughs> <laughs> like, he might be an accessory. He knows so much. Yeah. Uh, I love that he just, like, goes to the library. And obviously, he's been there so much. How many guards does that library need? <laughs> I mean, it is the New York Public Library. It's kind of an historic building and everything. But, but then they have a terrible way of monitoring their guards. If they have enough guards to have a poker game and they yeah. don't do anything but play poker all night. Yeah. No, somebody's not doing their job correctly <laughs> there. The staffing is a major issue. I could solve their payroll problems if you put me on in charge of that. Who was that main guard that talks? That guy is like in stuff. I don't know. I always playing like a like a goon, or he's either like the bad like guy, the, but never the main yeah, bad guy. Like the slick, he had like slicked back hair almost, yeah, like, or like the sidekick. Not he's either a good guy or a bad guy, but he's never like the main the guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I recognize him too, and that's why there's so many people. Even if you don't recognize him, and th- this movie's what ninety four, ninety five, ninety five, and then like. You're looking at Morgan Freeman, I'm like, wow, he looks young. And I'm like, he doesn't look young. He just looks younger. Yeah. Because he's like... Because he looks old as shit. He's like 80 but now. now he's old as shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like Arlie Ermey has like got black hair and stuff instead of white and gray hair. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Morgan Freeman laughing in that apartment is the most joy... Morgan Freeman laughing is the most joyous thing on this planet. Like... My, I just got a huge grin on my face from him laughing because it is just pure joy. And I don't know why, um, but it is amazing. One of my favorite Family Guy jokes ever. It was like it started out a movie and it was like more, it was a Morgan Freeman voice. Mm-hmm. And he said something along the lines of like, 
Ever since I was young, people like the sound of my voice. Morgan Freeman in The Narrator. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty awesome. It's yep. pretty clever. Um, he's played God like five times, right? But he is the perfect God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's either him or Alanis Morissette. The best people to ever play God. Is that a uh, dogma reference? Another Kevin Smith thing? I mean, it's not necessarily a Kevin Smith thing other than he made dogma. So, yes, it's a Kevin Smith thing. Um, what were your thoughts on Dogma? I want to watch it again, but I have one very strong, one very strong feeling having only ever seen it once. Uh, I really liked it. I thought the shit monster was dumb. But other than that, I really liked it. I felt like I l- was loving it until the shit monster showed up because like, he was so close to like making an actual statement about religion and then literally put a shit monster in there. Uh, so the, I think you and I are saying the same thing, basically. But here's the thing. Uh, I've seen a deleted scene with uh, Jason Lee uh, that actually makes the shit monster tolerable. Like, there's backstory that he goes into about it that, like, you know, actually makes it maybe tolerable. Yeah. I want to watch it again because uh, I hate mall rats. Uh, really, Mallrats is could, Clerks is the best. I think Mallrats is maybe my favorite. You haven't seen Tusker Red State though. No, we're gonna do that. But those aren't the part of the same universe, are they? No, because this like the dogma and everything literally happened every day of the week. Like one of them happens on Monday, Tuesday. There's an order to it. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so our third kill. So so far we have gluttony. Mm-hmm. And then we have greed. Pro- greed. I'm sorry. Third one. Uh, third one is sloth. And let me say, which when is I, awesome. When I watched this 10, 15 years ago, freaked me the fuck out. Like 20 year old me is having nightmares <laughs> about fucking sloth. <laughs> oh, it is so gross and so. So they find Ugh. they find hidden behind the painting uh, uh, a note that says "Help me" written in fingerprints, uh, and they identify them to a known pedophile, right? Rapist? Maybe not pedophile. Rapist. Yeah. Um, so they siege his apartment, uh, and they find him strapped his body strapped to the bed with pine tree air fresheners over the whole apartment or at least like the bedroom and the room but jason which i love that there's a hundred of them and john c mcginley reaches up and pulls one down angrily like it's like fuck fuck this one one. (laughs) new car smells the worst (laughs) fucking pine all the way that's why there's a fucking tree on it it was that one he pulled down um so body's just laying there Mm -hmm. emaciated as shit John C. McGinley gets in his face. It's like, fuck you. You deserve this shit. Yeah. And the body is alive because it coughs in his face. Yeah. And loses its mind. Like, I know what happened. I knew what happened in that movie. And I was still expect because he has the gun right in his face. I was still expecting him to be like, ah, fucking shot it right. Just blow its head off. Like, go. I call it it. It's a human, but it's just not a human. No, not anymore. Yeah. Ugh. It's more like a mummy at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except not the fun kind with Brendan Fraser. No. Did you know this is Jennifer Carpenter's first credited role? 
Really? No. Okay. But she totally could have played that corpse on that Gotcha. Bed. I was like, I don't remember seeing her. <laughs> that was a weird segue. <laughs> Gross. Uh, I love that. Uh, so Somerset is the Morgan Freeman is like, you're going to have all these kills. Just, you know, give Mills the case. I'm out. Actually, he says, don't give Mills the case, but then he gives in and lets him take it. So he's like, I'm going to go to the library, and I'm going to read all this stuff, photocopy a bunch of stuff, and give you this reading list, put it on Mills' desk, and he's like, I'm out. And so Brad Pitt is having not necessarily the, the best time trying to read through Dante's Divine Comedy and then an officer pulls up and hands him three Cliff Notes books and it was great and then later when he hides them in his desk so Somerset doesn't see them how that mu- was great how much of like the movie so in the movies the detectives are the hot shit and your street patrol guys are the dumbasses and their bitches that get them coffee and stuff yeah how much of that is real and how much of that is movie I'm sure there's a real component to it. I think so. Because any time where there's that kind of danger, like hierarchy is strictly adhered to. Like they're still joking and tomfoolery and stuff, but chain of command is chain of command. Whether it's, you know, armed forces, cops, like when that kind of stuff, when lives are on the line, you chain of command is kind of necessary. So I think some people take that very seriously, and some people become lackey bitches. When uh, when I was when we were watching this, uh, Morgan Freeman was photocopying something, and I saw a library like the card that people wrote their names and shit mm-hmm. to check out, and that gave me flashbacks of doing <laughs> that. And I remembered too. It seems so weird to me. So we've talked about me getting really into the literary stuff and reading, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked. It's it's it, I feel like it was either copied and pasted from multiple libraries that I've looked at their websites, mm-hmm. or it was like a statement from the National Library Council or whatever. Yeah. But the short version was "fuck Dewey Decimal," we, he sucks dick. We're switching let's the library Congress. On, let's piss on his ashes. They don't they don't use anything now because it's all in the computer. Like basically, it's just Reader Services last name. There has, I mean, there has to be. A, there's a shelf order. There has to be a shelf order. No, there has to be a shelf order. My brain can't comprehend them not being. It may be fuck Dewey Decimal. We're switching to Library of Congress, uh, or maybe some third standard that I don't know because okay. my library skills are from back in the day. Mm-hmm. My library knowledge is from back in the day. But you have, like, you have to know where the omen is. On your shelf, because you have so many fucking movies. There has to be an order to it. Okay. They're not on the spines or anything anymore. Like, they're not in there. Hmm. They all have their number or whatever. They, they have a barcode. But it's not like, like, you look at the spine. I have a library book. You talk for a minute. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite little moments. This This movie is full of little moments, like the cliff notes hiding that. And everything. There are a lot of great little character moments. And one of my favorites is when they're actually going to the sloth house. 
uh, he's saying, hey, did you, have you ever, uh, like, had to shoot anybody? Have you ever been shot at? Uh, and Morgan Freeman tells his, and then Brad Pitt goes, and he's like, I fired my gun once, and uh, tells a story about... What was that guy's name? What was that guy's name? Yeah. Thanks for stealing my thunder. Basically, this guy... I wasn't guy, trying to steal your thunder. Con- I was trying to help yeah, you. I he's thought a I was throwing the layup to you. I was trying to burp off Mike from this root beer. Did I just get blamed for... <laughs> Did yeah, you just he, shit your pants? No, that was my shoes rubbing together. <laughs> I hope the, I thought you just turned and like ripped ass. No, that was actually like my shoes rubbing together. You don't want to burp on Mike, but yeah. Yeah, I'll just rip one. Uh, as Shrek would say, if it were me, you'd be dead. I hate quoting Shrek. I shouldn't do that in my life anymore. <laughs> I feel like we were on rails at some point and we've gone off them. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I love that he, it seemed like so fucking real that he totally remembers every moment of the, the you know, the the guy next to him getting spun around and then being in the ambulance with him when he died, but he can't fucking remember his name. Well, it's the same thing. Like, if you were the victim of a crime, you will remember what the weapon is. Like, you'll be able to describe the gun that they were holding and every detail of it, but you won't know the person's face. Right. Because it's what you remember. Because it's what you're focused on. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. what he was. And he couldn't remember the guy's name. So when you're look, so here's what I think. Everything has a barcode on it. And they are basically, everybody has tablets, little handheld phones that they walk around with. And when they pull shit off the shelf, it tells them where it's going to be. But there is not. Hmm. So everything's just fucking alphabetical now. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's a thing. Alphabetical is at least a thing. But they do have departments. Yeah, that's what I said. STO, I said re- DPT. I, I said reader services. STO. Is that probably storage. storage? DPT. It's the different library branch. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Hmm. So do you concede that? Weird. It blows my mind that they can do that, but... But I rem- but remember like the, the Dewey Decimal propaganda that we were fed when we were little? I mean, it's like we had to stand up and pledge our allegiance to Dewey Decimal. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> One kid tried to sit down for the pledge, and that didn't go well. No. <laughs> uh, what was our? What's our next kill? Uh, so after sloth is lust, and that's really fucked up. Well, uh, in between here, they, after Sloth, that's when they get the library books, and that's when they find him, and they knock on his apartment door. They knock on his apartment door, um, they find where he's been living, and he's got hundreds of binders and notebooks filled with just ramblings of Mm -hmm. of a crazy person. Yeah. I remember reading like uh the craziest details the movies ever went into and most of those like legit somebody in the production department wrote that shit out yeah totally unnecessarily mm-hmm. yeah that's I, i've read that about i think even maybe this movie or other movies where it's just like you they want an authentic notebook fold filled with weird gobbledygook rantings but they did like tons of them for this hell i've got the 
the prop from the remake of Town That Dreaded Sundown mm-hmm. that I can show you like how much detail they went into for yeah. no reason because like literally two pages you see in the movie. Yeah, but when you're designing that, you don't know that. No, I know, but it's crazy how much, yeah, how much details into it, and it sounds like what I have isn't even a lot. Yeah, like you sounds like what seven is is a ton. Oh yeah. Um, they find out that they have encountered him before because he has a picture of Brad Pitt when they were at the sloth house. He had taken a picture of him, so they had him at one point. Right. Uh, yeah. Also, well, you skipped the whole point, where the whole thing where they chase him down and he could kill Brad Pitt. He puts a gun to his head and lets him go. Mm-hmm. I did skip that. So there's a point when he chases down Brad Pitt <laughs> and could have killed him, but he doesn't and he lets him go. Yep. And now he has a limp. Uh, there's also in between here is a scene where uh, Gwyneth Paltrow calls Morgan Freeman because she's freaking out and meets him at a diner uh, because it turns out she's pregnant. I- I'm bad with faces, but I feel like at the very beginning of that scene, Kevin Spacey walks in the door. By the way, Kevin Spacey is John Doe. Um, they might have. I do know that I think it points... He, he had, like, a bigger part. Like, he might have been a photographer that showed up more often, but they wanted to leave him more as, like, just a random person. Yeah. Like, any asshole could do this. Um, Originally, I, I guess he was going to be the lead, like, poster lead promotion for this movie. That's true. And the only yep. reason he agreed to do the movie is saying, I'm doing no promotion. You're leaving my name off all the posters. And they don't they don't put his name in the opening credits. I was just getting ready to say how much I like Kevin Spacey that yeah. I remembered like what well, I know. fucking he's such a great actor he is and a such great a actor. shit person. It have sucks. you have you ever seen Life of David Gale? Uh yeah. <laughs> it's very memorable, obviously, for you. No. Uh I owned Life of David Gale. Well, I borrowed and never gave back because the person moved away. Life of David Gale and never watched it. Uh it's great cool good chat space is great you know what he's not great at being a person there you go you got (laughs) it i was gonna say human but i guess okay synonyms yeah um okay so we have the lust and this i think is my my favorite performance of the entire movie yeah is what leonard leroy Uh, lenny it's like his last name's like Oli something yeah but it's like leonard it's like a Kind of a nerdy name or something, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he just does great. So basically what happened is John Doe went to like this leather bondage type. Sh- I think they do more than just bondage stuff, but bondage isn't out of his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And this dude made this giant strap-on harpoon sword as a dick. I mean, it just looked like a knife to me. That's three feet long. I uh-huh. I only, you only see a picture of it, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, what what does the guy have to do? He, like, yeah. So, John Doe makes him put on this full-body leather suit with the strap-on knife and puts a gun in his mouth and tells him to fuck the prostitute. But, but here's why this is with great. With the knife strap-on Here's why this thing. is great and not just an exploitation shock thing yeah is because you don't see any of this happen no. you're completely just seeing this phenomenal actor's reaction to having had to do this mm-hmm. and there's no murders 
that you see take place until the very end of this movie. You see right. one person get killed in this movie. Yeah. Everything envy. else, you either just see the aftermath or, yeah, you just see the aftermath yeah. of it. All you see is the crime scene. And that's enough. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this, I think, that caliber of movie. Did you read the trivia about his performance? No. Apparently he didn't sleep for like, he stayed up for like three straight days and uh, like before the scene would prac would like all day, spent the whole day like breathing as fast as he could so that when he got there he could hyperventilate and stuff. Just like over soaked his body with oxygen. I believe so it. whatever he, hyper- he did, it worked, man, because it's the best perform uh, of a movie filled with great performances. It's yeah, like, it's, it's one of the best. I'm not a Brad Pitt guy in that I will see a movie because of Brad Pitt, but yeah. I've never had any animosity towards him. Mm-hmm. I think he's a genuinely good actor. Seems like a good enough person. It's not yeah. like Tom Cruise. I don't really like. Um, but of your top tier guys, I'm fine with Brad Pitt. He does great. Morgan Freeman does great. Arlie Ermey's a supporting character. I mean, this is a yeah. deep, deep cast. And I think this, in his tiny little role, he outshines all of them, man. I, yeah, I, I I think this is maybe one of Brad Pitt's best performances, uh, especially at the end. But yeah. Yeah, the, he, the, end, the end is great with Brad. He does a great job. Yeah. We'll get there. Not you, speaking. Okay. Not, not as good as True Romance. I've never seen True Romance. Oh, dude. I wish we had a format in which I made you watch movies that I wanted you to watch. <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we, but we've talked about them all now, haven't we? What all the all five kills? Uh, yeah. We did not. T- t- yes. Yeah. So all that's left is envy and wrath. Uh, so after pride, that's when. Basically, Kevin Spacey shows up and turns himself in. Yes. And he has cut off all of his fingerprints. That's why they never see a fingerprint. He cuts off the tips of his fingers like every two weeks. Uh, he he basically doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, He's independently wealthy. He's super intelligent. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that for like... Five minutes, it's just him and Brad Pitt at one at bickering back and forth because they agree, they come to agreement with him. He's going to show him where the last two murders took place right. for a full confession. Mm-hmm. And you get like back and forth between him, between Spacey and Brad Pitt about whether or not he's insane and his motivations sort of. Like his convoluted, you get more like his his agenda than his motivation, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and it's a really awesome back and forth and that you really don't know whose side you're going to buy into. Yeah. Do you notice also that, uh, like basically the, that last night with his wife, the camera lingers on her head a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty, this movie was way better knowing the, the ending is great for the first time. Mm-hmm. But knowing the ending going in it was an even better experience because I got to see those things. So they end up in the middle of the desert. Basically. Uh, spoiler, we talk about spoilers. Yeah. Don't listen to us give you this movie. Okay? Yeah. We're going to spoil this 23-year-old movie. So, <laughs> which you should, there's movies, I think I've said this before, 
I, I, this is probably true for every movie that we watch in this podcast, but like there's movies that I look forward to sharing with my kids and like, I want to watch the, I wasn't going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I had a half hour left in this movie. I couldn't finish it last night. I had a half hour left. I was like, I got to go to bed. So I finished it today and my four year old came down for like the last 10 minutes of this movie and sat and watched the last 10 minutes with me. Mm-hmm. So I turned the volume down and I put it on. Te- uh, on subtitles so yeah. he didn't hear the f-bombs yeah but i knew the gunshot was coming at the end so i kept trying to cover his eyes so he was trying to look but the whole time he was just telling me i really like this movie dad like <laughs> this is a good movie it's not spooky i like this movie <laughs> and he just like kept and then he's like look wants to look at the dvd packaging which he can look at the outside of it but the inside of it like has pictures of fucked up shit yeah so he's my son's all about seven now, having seen just basically them standing in the desert. You're welcome. Uh, and then... <laughs> I'm going to take credit for that. <laughs> but it was like, the anyway, I don't know how I started talking. Oh, I'm looking forward to like watching this because this is genuinely a phenomenal movie. Anyway, they're in the desert. Delivery driver pulls up uh, because on the way, John Doe has been saying, look, this is I'm going to give you my last two. You're going to be a part of something special. This is going to be fantastic. Thank um, you so yeah, much, Brad Pitt. Yeah. I'm going to take you to the last two bodies, and you're when this is all said and done, then you're going to be, your name is going to be a part of this. Deliver- you're going to be famous. Yes. You're Del- welcome. Delivery driver shows up. He's got a box. Yeah. What's in the box, Justin? What's in the box? So we, we joke, and you hear that, and I make that joke, too. Yeah. But it's a great performance. Like we it say it fantastic. as a joke, but it is like that. Wh- what's in the box back and forth. And he says it a bunch of times. It's turned into a joke, but it is great because that's how someone I feel like they would really react. Yeah. And you, you know exactly what's going on in his head. That's what great acting is. You can see what the character is thinking through his actions. And you see him say, I need to kill this guy. I can't kill this guy. But I need to kill this guy, but I can't kill this guy. Oh, yeah. Guy. How many times does he, he he looks at him, tears up, and then, like, winces and looks down. And yeah. then he looks back at him angrily, and then, like, it really is great. I, yeah. I think it's probably his best moment that, that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And he becomes Wrath and kills Envy. Yep. And Kevin Spacey wins. Mm-hmm. In the, the whole movie. point. In the movie, not in real life. He loses in real life like he should. Yeah. Like a That's good. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not Zodiac good, but I, I like seven better. Yeah. So I guess we're doing this now. I say seven, you say Zodiac, obviously. Uh, I disagree. I think seven is obviously much more of a movie in that is a more contrived, more convenient things have to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also that speaks to who you and I are <laughs> as far as like, obviously I'm going to be the one that likes seven. Yeah. You're going to be the guy. I want, I want the puzzle. I want to solve the puzzle. Yep. I still want to take a crack at that cipher at some point. I need to do that. Um, make that a bucket list me. thing. I think we're at the end of our three weeks. Did you happen to bring that USB drive with the Cohen over Cohen video? I, you you gave me two months and with a one month thing. <laughs> so next week sure <laughs> so i think we have a short week this week it's a problem nice nine, try. But maybe nice try okay um any other thoughts on seven fantastic movie 
go do yourself a favor watch seven watch zodiac they're both great movies uh i hope we made this an entertaining podcast while we polish david fincher's knob but uh yeah what else is he what, what let's go through real quick what else has he done he did alien three he did <laughs> he yep, did because everyone remembers that he did fight club um he did what else did he do well let me check imdb here We're going to be. Oh, he did Gone Girl. Gone yeah. Girl's great. Not seen it. Social Club, or Social Network, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, he's directed eighty-four things, but like that most of those are. Real. Most of the, he was a music video guy. That's what I meant. It can't be a. Uh, he did the new Netflix Mindhunter, which I really need to see. I, I think when it. we finish Dexter, that's what we're going to watch next. Uh, speaking of Netflix, just finished uh, End of the Fucking World, which I've is a little of, short, little. Yeah, I've heard thing. a lot of about that. It's real good. Do you know anything about? Cloverfield. Uh, I've never seen Cloverfield. I have seen Ten Cloverfield Lane, which was really good until the very end. Uh, I highly recommend you watch that movie and maybe turn it off. Uh, when you think the movie should end, turn it off. But you didn't see Cloverfield, no. So, if you'd seen Cloverfield, you know that something like that is happening the whole time. Sure. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. I thought Cloverfield was. I thought Cloverfield was about like a Godzilla monster. Yeah. Okay. This doesn't end with a Godzilla monster. No. Have you seen Ten Cloverfield? Uh, uh, let's see what. I've seen all three. Okay. Well, I'll use the Cloverfield paradox. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is Cloverfield paradox any good? Yes. Okay. But it's just as related to Cloverfield and Ten Cloverfield Lane as Ten Cloverfield Lane is related to that. Mm-hmm. Like it's this very much big world that jj abrams claims is going to come together so imagine he's making lost in like a movie universe is what i would say mm-hmm. like you just have anything fucked up in it and he's like cloverfield all right then uh he did the curious case of benjamin button girl the american version of girl with the dragon tattoo panic room i like panic room dwight yokum's in it i think that was his first because everything else seems to be a music video I want to talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane. I was, that movie is so good. And then it is so dumb. Uh, Like, I don't need that ending. I'm so happy that whoever was writing in the Cloverfield universe made that tiny little movie that exists in there. I just wish it didn't play into the universe and didn't. uh, So two things. One. I'm so disappointed that you've seen that because I wanted to do 10 Cloverfield Lane and then Cloverfield. Okay. If you didn't know anything about it, but you do. Yeah. Two, how good is John Goodman? I fucking love John Goodman. He's so great, right? And he is so great in that movie. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Cloverfield Paradox is good, though, but it is definitely, it was written as a whole nother movie. And then they turn. Is it a movie or is it a? I thought it's a it was. Movie. A, oh, okay. Mm. I thought it was. It's a, just a, a movie. A show. Nope, it's a movie. Okay. And there's two more Cloverfields, but it's very much like J.J. Abrams is just doing the lost thing. I think where he's just like finding scripts and he's like put the name Cloverfield somewhere in there. J.J. Abrams do the original Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's just finding it uh, something that's good, and he just does like a tweak, like in, like whatever Ten Cloverfield Lane was. He's like, okay. The ending, though, 
throw a monster in and now it's a Cloverfield movie. Yeah. Um, the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane did the video game uh, episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, where like video... where like they played gopher on top of the table and then like he went into like the house and they had the giant three? spider. Yes. I have not seen that. Oh, okay. I've only seen, I think, the first two, one or two episodes of season three. Oh, okay. It's, um, yeah. It's good. I need, to, I need to finish watching it. Can I give you one thing from that episode that I think is the funniest thing ever? Oh. Okay. So uh, he's like in this haunted house that's just in his mind, basically. Oh. Is this the spider? one where he's in like the the house and then... The spider and the bully? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. I have seen that one. So the funniest thing ever... There's like a big ass spider, right? And he's like, oh, I'm scared of fucking spiders. And then he sees like his high school bully. And he's like, oh, it's my fucking high school bully. And then he sees a giant spider with the face of his high school bully. He's yeah. like, ah, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? You put my high school bully's face on the fucking spider. It's genius. That's the same director. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they fit together a little. Yeah. Um, so thank you for giving me the week off. Took a little bit of pressure off. I don't know if it was enough, though. I feel like I need to recharge my batteries. So we just, you just need to watch Nightcrawler next so week? So next week we're not having an episode of Remake Me. Oh, okay. So that's good. Cool. Uh, I've, you know, 60 in a row, we did it. Let's take the week off. Well, next week we do have an episode of the Zadarcast. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we can't. You have to follow up. Okay. David Fincher. Yeah. Sure. With Robert Zadar. Mm-hmm. It writes itself. Robert Zadar could have been in uh seven. Like what would what would he be? They should have put him in Pride. <laughs> like, Fucking I'm calling the police. You actually made it better. It doesn't look so much like an old worn catcher's mitt. Thanks. Good. So, uh, yeah, you want to talk about the Zadarcast for next week? Let's talk about the Zadarcast. <laughs> All right. Movie one for Zadarcast episode four? Three. Three? Right, four. Four. What was the first? Uh, Return to Frogtown. Oh, that was episode zero. Yeah, because so we only did episode one. Episode three. Yeah. Uh,. It's beyond the taste of fear, dot, 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 and nobody hears your prayers, period. It's, it's, uh, is, is that like, should I say that to the Cheers theme? <laughs> I don't know. It's beyond the taste of fear, and nobody hears your prayers. <laughs> <laughs> that worked better that, than I That is actually pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is called Evil Altar. So, uh, some evil looking Emperor Palpatine looking guy has, I think he's holding the blade of what looks to be a sword, but it's really tiny, which I know you would call a knife, but it looks like a sword, but tiny. <laughs> So not a knife, because they're different things. Uh, and it's like glowing, and he's on an altar. I think Darth Maul is in this. 
Uh, is this printed out on a... Yeah, like, yeah. so these aren't released. No, I okay. didn't. I bought them because they're not released on DVD. Gotcha. These, these are some convention favorites, apparently. Uh, $90 <laughs> list price? I hope you didn't pay ninety dollars for this. Well, it's the v- that's a sc- that's the VHS oh, that was VHS. scanned. Yep. Okay, so this is back in the day when uh, VHS only existed to be sold to like rental places. Exactly. Right? Yep. Gotcha. Ah, so like some sort of weird Satanist cult kind of movie. Okay. Um, I've never done this, so this is like a thing that a lot of podcasts do: is they play the trailer for a movie. I'm not going to do that, but there was a moment during this movie that was so incredible for me that i like had to give you a taste of what you're looking for okay and to try to get you to figure out exactly what you're going to do okay so i'm going to give you some audio right now all right um, and i need to write a movie based on that uh and you just need to just use that to form your opinion of what it's going to be okay Oh, I thought you meant. Are you ready for to hear it again? No, no, you no. You just made it. it. You just made a joke, and then I'll I'll play it again for the for the listeners too. Okay. It sounds like the Cajun man from the Water Boy. Okay, let's try it again. That's actually a great description. Yeah, actually, it is. Maintenant, je vraiment I translated that so I uploaded the video, by the way. <laughs> Don't look at it till you see the movie, but I uploaded just that clip uh, to our YouTube channel. Uh, and it's titled Remy Bees Black's uh, Applesauce Blah Blah Blah, because that's what I translated it as. <laughs> He's just like, Remy Bees Wax. Mm, applesauce blah, 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 blah. it's like they took the script from the movie and then threw it in google translate translated to hungarian and then google translated it back to english and that's what it would be so does that help you what is what are we gonna see uh that is obviously the height that is that is the climax of the movie uh that is right before he gets shot when he's trying to perform the ritual and he's going to dr- drive the sword dagger through. Who is he? Is that Robert Zadar? That's Robert Zadar, who I'm assuming is uh, Darsidious here. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's about to drive the 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 sword knife dagger right into our heroine's heart. But he gets shot by our hero, who wasn't dead after all. Good. What was your translation? I have no idea. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it literally ends with blah, 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 right? Yeah. He's. Are you telling me he's not saying blah, blah, blah? I don't know. <laughs> I really All think right, then. it's Remy Beeswax applesauce, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh. All right. That's Evil Alter. All right. Second movie. Zidarcast, episode three. A chilling and powerful film experience. There is no stairway to heaven. Oh, so it's Wayne's World. Soul Taker, starring Joe Estevez and Vivian Schilling. 
this this looks like the cover to uh, Bound Foolish Sucks. Uh, inside reference that we let on in the podcast. Uh, is that a, there's a smiley face. Is, is this still like a promotional shot (laughs) or is this them posing for a a thing, but in the movie? I don't know. (laughs) There's like a posed picture (laughs) that's like, oh, we need a promotional shot for, for, you know, the, the press kit. Because I'm sure that Soul Taker had a <laughs> bitch in press kit. <laughs> it, you know, you know they 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 uh, they had that slap bracelet in there that everybody wanted. Yeah. Everybody wanted the Soul Taker slap bracelet. Mm-hmm. 1990s. Yeah, that's a slap slap bracelet time. Soul Taker actually had a phenomenal giveaway where they were giving out shoelaces. Mm-hmm. For your soles of your shoes. Yeah. Good. Good that's, job. Thanks. Uh, hey, look, Robert Zadar is in this one. Oh, okay. I, I see the theme. <laughs> Does he say blah, blah, blah in this movie as well? <laughs> I didn't catch a blah, blah. Who is Joe Estevez? Because he looks like Joe Pesci just went through a blender. Well, he's n- he's the other Estevez that's not Martin and is not Emilio and is not Charlie Sheen. Okay. Because, okay. He looks nothing like their family. He looks like a Pesci. But sure, I'll buy it. Um, usually I forbid you from doing so, but read me the quotes on the cover there because these are pretty good, okay? Okay, Eric Dawson from Video Time says, A remarkable film, dot, 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 don't miss it. Which the dot, dot, dot was a remarkable film this isn't. <laughs> I would never say, don't miss it. <laughs> uh, Douglas Kirshner from Video Insider. Insider? Star and writer Vivian Schilling could quite possibly be the leading lady of the nineties. I've never heard of her. I was so just gonna say, did wasn't. that come did that happen? <laughs> Very intriguing, dot dot dot. More consistently presented than dot 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 ghost. Larry Cohn, variety. Why this movie keep ghost in mind? Uh-huh. This movie has nothing this doesn't compare to ghost at all. Like, I don't understand. That's like reviewing maniac the remake and saying that it's better than cars but it doesn't make any sense uh i don't know he kind of looks like the the dude from the train that teaches patrick swayze had a ghost i don't think i ever saw a ghost ghost is a good movie i'm i'm sure it is but whoopi goldberg good look dash ing thriller That was my favorite. Michael Dare. Why did billboard? they not adjust like the size of that text box? Why does it need to say "good look dashing"? Ghost extends out as far as looking would. Why, Why does... did they do that? That's my favorite part. Good look dashing thriller. <laughs> Thanks, Michael Dare That's from the Billboard. Cover of their of their video, and they put the dash there. Trapped in the twilight between life and death, one man. Dot, dot, dot. One woman. Dot, dot, dot. One hour to escape. Uh, I don't really know what's on the back. I was mostly focused on the looking and the ghost <laughs> thing. But what are we going to see in this, Justin? Uh, the front looks like it's like a cool sci-fi horror kind of cheesy thing from the 90s. From the back, it looks like a weird home invasion movie. So... I literally have no idea. Okay, that's good. 
We'll just run with it. So it's Home Alone with uh, Joe Pesci through a blender. Let me let me do this another which way. Which is the, okay. So it's Home Alone, but it starts with him after he's been through all the traps. What character is Robert Zadar in this movie? Uh, he is the Undertaker. Okay. Which this is 1990. That's before the WWE Undertaker. Mm-hmm. It's little people know that that's where the Undertaker got his name is from Robert Desar in this. Mm-hmm. But he's really just the underling to the Soul Taker. Okay. And Undertaker is more of a nickname. Like, they, they actually only briefly say it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a shortened that he's the underling. They, they're kind of all... He's the head one, but they're kind of all called Undertakers. He's just, like, the head one. He's the Undertaker. Right. Not, so the, not an Undertaker. Yeah, it's like the Foot Clan, and mm-hmm. then the leader of the Foot, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, a little bit of history lesson for everybody. The foot? No, you're oh, the history uh, the of the origin Undertaker. of the Undertaker, yeah. yeah. It all goes back to Robert Zadar. Justin, what else you got for us? Uh, you know what? Zodiac is a perfect movie. Remy, Remy, beeswax, applesauce, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>